and if you want to talk a drop about the science, the science is, is really fairly well proven between, you know, the MFRIs where they could do sort of uh, MRIs of the brain and seeing how the brain changes when people are experiencing gratitude, you know, and, and getting sort of activity in the prefrontal cortex. Those studies are out there. Technology is transforming how we think, how we lead, and how we win. From InterVision, this is Status Go, the show helping IT leaders move beyond the status quo, master their craft, and propel their IT vision. Hello, and welcome to Status Go. I'm Megan Schaefer, and I will be your host for this episode. While I am clearly a new voice, I am not new to the program. I am just usually behind the scenes, pulling together all of the pieces for each episode and in more of a production role. But since I tend to geek out over things like gratitude and extracting maximum joy from the mundane of our everyday lives, Jeff has quite graciously offered to share the mic today. But have no fear, Jeff is still here and will likely jump in at some point. Say hello, Jeff. Hey, how's everybody doing? Uh, and yes, I probably will jump in at some point. You know me, I can't uh, I can't stand to be quiet for a whole episode. I hope so. So I am thrilled to welcome back to the show, Dave Lynn, co-founder and COO of the Generosity Series, and even more poignant to this particular episode, the Gratitude Dude. When the world effectively shut down at the start of the pandemic, things felt off kilter and completely untethered. And so we, the collective we at Status Go, felt everyone might need something to help ground them, um, a compass of sorts. Dave came on the show and we talked about how he came to be dubbed as the Gratitude Dude, how gratitude shapes his life, and how to use it as a tool to thrive in the unprecedented times we found ourselves in. Not that we need yet another reminder of how long this pandemic has been going, but that was episode 57, and this is episode 130. We have all been oscillating between thriving and surviving much, much longer than any of us could have possibly predicted, and it is taking a toll. What better time to bring Dave back and double down on this gratitude thing. Welcome, Dave. So good to be here, good to be here. Um, I think I had, when we first spoke, I think I had 57 gray hairs, now I have 130. <laughs> so we're tracking pretty well. Right, right, you're, you're on point. That's great. Well, can you give us a little bit of a refresher on your background? Um, talk a little bit about the Generosity Series and your goals there. Sure. So the Generosity Series is was a fundraising platform based upon a 5K run walk idea, but the whole idea was to collaborate along with many other nonprofits so that you could do something bigger and better than you could do on your own. It could be more successful. Mm -hmm. You don't have to worry about carrying the whole burden. And uh, you know we did that for a good eight years, live events until this little thing came along called COVID that you heard about. And uh, so we, we sort of switched out to virtual. Uh, and right now we're about to launch a very big endeavor. Maybe we'll get to it later. I don't want to, it's not about me pitching here, but uh, a, a new big endeavor in the virtual world uh, so that we can hopefully continue to allow small, medium, and large 
nonprofits to be able to tap into an event that's effective, that brings great fundraising, but also engages their participants, their supporters, and shares some gratitude along the way. Yeah, I find, well, okay, I have a comment and also a question. My comment is this, I find it fascinating you have been able to take gratitude to another level, that you have found a way to revolve work and life around it pretty seamlessly. My question is, because in the first episode, you were just right at the point where you were transitioning, just like many organizations and companies, from an in-person format to an online format. And I know we'll get to more of that later in terms of talking about what you have coming up, but generally, how did that go for you? I I would say that from a business standpoint, it was quite difficult. Um, Mm. We lost a tremendous amount of money, um, you know, and, and unfortunately some staff, but what we did do in the transition was very successful for our charity partners, which is really the goal. You know, there are better ways in the world to make money than run nonprofit uh, platforms. So, you know, you don't go into that business with uh, lottery dreams. You you go in with passion. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, a lot of that here. And we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be here anymore if, if, it, if it was just a, a pure profit play. Sure. Um, I would say that, you know, we at Generosity Series are a for-profit, but that does not mean we're profitable. But we profit in purpose and, and we, we profit in, in the joy of being able to help organizations do better. So they did better. And if that's the barometer, which for us it, it usually is, they did very well in virtual. Uh, many of them had more participants than they did when it was a live event. And a few reasons for that, you know, people had less things to do. People were interested in what is this virtual thing. I think people stepped up. People who had the ability, who were maintaining their economic position or their jobs, uh, they stepped up. They felt like I'm, I'm needed more. It made a lot of us, I think, more thoughtful about our lives and the people and the organizations and people. So people did more. And thankfully, that, that translated. And then just the nature of the beast of a virtual that now I'm in Chicago and I'm not about to go to New Jersey on a Sunday morning at 730 to run a 5K to support some organization. But if it's virtual, I could do that. So I think that 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 you know the nature of the beast lent to that, and also not being tied to a date that now oh that's my cousin's wedding or uh, I'm not good for that day. A virtual has you know more room for playing with the calendar. There's a lot more flexibility. Yeah, yeah, I can I can absolutely identify with a lot of those reasons in terms of of feeling a duty, being available, uh, you know, all of the flexibility that virtual everything gives you. That's, yeah, that totally makes sense. So going back to this, this length of time that we have been mentally preparing ourselves, and like I said in the intro, oscillating from thriving, surviving, and, and every, it's kind of a continuum, right? I mean, just just hitting every point along the way. How have you been kind of reconciling that? And how have you been talking to other people about reconciling that within the gratitude space, but not necessarily limited to that? I think it all starts with the recognition of two things that, that one, 
this is a normal feeling, right? People start feeling, I was talking to someone yesterday that they didn't, they felt depressed about what's going on and it's normal, right? Obviously there's a fine line when it gets clinical. That's not what I'm really discussing here, but you know, that I think that's the first step to understand this is normal. This is a normal feeling and that we're all in it together, mm-hmm. right? We're all feeling this on, on some way or another, you know, unfortunately we live still in a world that's very facade oriented and, and people see other people, I don't know how they're doing it and they're loving life and they're successful and they're dressed well and they're eating well and they're happy and right. And then they feel like, wow, there must be something wrong with me. Right. I think realizing, you know, that that's not really what's going on for most people that on different levels, we're all struggling uh, and to see that, that that's normal because if, if you start feeling abnormal about it, you start hiding it, you start burying it. And then you're not going to get to it. And you're not going to get other people to notice it and, and help you with it. So I, I think that's like a, a, a primary first step. Uh, I would say also that getting a little bit to the idea that you're talking about that you know this has been going on for a lot longer than we expected, and and sort of in waves, like it, it subsided and then it comes back, and now it's coming back even maybe even harder, right? So so dealing with that, I think that it takes a certain level of uh, staying power. And getting back to what we've spoken about in the past, you know, gratitude habits and, and training and sort of exercising, right? Now we're running not just the marathon, we're running like the triathlon, the ultra marathon. I don't know what you right. want to call it, right. right? And those things take a lot more training. They take a lot more nutrition, if you want to call it that, you know, whatever else it is. And to realize that, okay, we need to sort of double down a little bit on the things that we're doing that are working for us, whether that's in gratitude or or whether that's anything else, reaching out to people more, you know, uh, self-care, whatever those things are, realize it's not selfish to mm-hmm. do these things. You know, I have a friend who she says that sometimes you have to be selfish to be selfless, right? Because you got to be your best self so that you have the energy and the resources and the ability to also help others, right? So I think that's one of the things that, that people are, are concerned about, like, taking more time and taking more time and, you know, taking a vacation when other people are, are, are struggling or whatever else it is. It's sort of interesting that just today's a Monday. Um, I'm not sure when this is going to go live, but today's a Monday. I just, this past weekend, I presented at a retreat for college leaders, mm. not, not the faculty, but, but the college students that are our leaders. And the question that I got more than anything, and there were two questions that came up more than anything else. One was about authenticity, which maybe we can get to, but um, the more relevant one to what we're talking about was about um, how do you deal with gratitude in the time of extreme crisis, either like we're going through now or a personal crisis, right? And I, I think the first step I always tell them is like, gratitude is not a panacea. Right. It's, it's a tool. It's a very important tool. Uh, and it's often maybe a panacea to the extent that as an add on to whatever else you need to be doing, it's always going to be helpful. It's always going to be better. Right. But I think setting those expectations is what knocks people down. Like if you come and say, okay, now I'm going to set up a habit. Now I'm going to get into gratitude and everything's going to be just fine. Right. So that's already, you know, you're just setting yourself up for failure or you're going to end up fooling yourself. So I think that coming in with that understanding that these are things that can and will most likely help me. Uh, they're not going to be, a, can't be the only thing that I do, right? 
Uh, so I think also going in with that mindset of knowing that these are important things and also that, you know, doing them more, that ultra marathon idea. Yeah, I actually relate an analogy to Jeff about your outlook on gratitude because I follow you on LinkedIn and I, you know, I see a lot of your three for Thursdays and I see just, you know, the conversation that goes back and forth. And I think it is so functional, uh, such a functionally relevant outlook. And I bring that up too on this particular show because we, we have a lot of listeners that are very analytical. They really want data behind things. Um, they want to know why it works, how it works. And there are some things like gratitude that we we can't, I mean, there's data and there's science, but as, as the average person, we can't kind of nail that down. But I likened it to yoga. And I'm not talking about the fancy yoga where people are doing handstands. But I'm talking about the idea that in basic yoga, your body moves a certain way and it's intuitive. They attached fancy names to the poses that your body wants to just automatically move into. And I feel like the way you explain gratitude, the way you talk about the practice and the way that you um, do it in your own world is like that. It's very functional. This is not overly woo-woo. We are not expecting this to solve all of our problems. This is something that is a tool that you add to your tool belt. I think maybe I can now, now I'm not going to call myself the gratitude dude. I'm going to call myself the gratitude yogi. Uh, <laughs> I like the analogy. But that does also bring up a question about when does gratitude or when does your gratitude practice kind of get stale? When is it, you know, there's too much of a good thing, so to speak? Yeah. So it's, it's a great question. I think I might've mentioned this before to you guys that, that there are very high level people in the gratitude world. Some of the, the world's top psychologists, positive psychologists, uh, and people who were, or who were doing so many of the studies and really, really understand the practice of gratitude who themselves have publicly said that they've, They've gotten into that rut where, where their gratitude practice or habit, and they call it an intervention in the literature, uh, you know, sort of got stale or I would say closer to uh, robotic. You know, they were just going through the, the steps, going through the measures. And I think that happens like with anything else. It's on a certain level, that maybe that that's a good thing because, you know, it means that you've ingrained something, mm -hmm. right? And then hopefully that's building sort of like that muscle memory, you want to call it plasticity, neuroplasticity, where, where now you sort of own something in a certain area. Nobody ever owns completely gratitude. But maybe that thing that you've been working on, you know, you sort of have gotten to it or have conquered it or, or whatever that might be. So there is a good side to that. Like, you know, we've been using the, the running analogy a little bit, you know, when you first start running and now, you know, a, a mile is nothing for you. Mm -hmm. So you might not ever go out. Your short runs might be two, three miles now, right? That doesn't mean that that mile wasn't important to get you to that next step. So I think that always, I mean, I always try to find the positive first in this, but the, the reality is, yes, these things can and, and often do become, uh, they feel stale, they feel robotic. I recommend, you know, switching it up. Like I'm even a fan of, you know, Dr. Robert Emmons, who was really uh, top of the field over here. So he has a book called Gratitude Works, where he talks about this 21 day plan and he puts it in the book. And essentially, if I remember the math correctly, it's seven different types of gratitude habits. And you do them each of them once a week for three weeks. Right. And that's sort of to, to get you sort of holistic type of all different types of habits and exercises. 
but it's also to help you see, oh, wow, this really clicks for mm-hmm. me, right? This really does it for me, or this one doesn't, or I'm going to start with this one and work this for a little while, and then I could switch to the other ones. So I feel like switching around, I say that all the time when it comes to reminders. I'm a big fan of reminders for gratitude, like whether it's just to remind you to, to feel grateful or to do a gratitude practice. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have on my work bag uh, a key um, that says gratitude across it, right? And I have another little knitted thing I got that comes from Mexico that says generosity, right? And every time I take my bag, I sort of think of, but after a while, that's just part of my bag, right? Yeah. So like I switch to the other side sometimes, or I switch it onto the to the arm bag or, or I touch it or whatever else it is, like just to switch it up. We need that. We need variety. We don't eat the same thing every day, you know, even if we love it. I mean, maybe pizza is an exception, but, you know, you don't eat the same thing every day and still love it, love it, love it, love it, and always want to have it because we need that variety. And we need, so I definitely recommend like switching up things. I, I have this term I use, I call it, you do you gratitude, mm-hmm. right? There are so many great gratitude habits, interventions that are well studied. Journaling is like the top, right? Gratitude journaling is like the top most studied because you can actually do it. Like if I tell you guys and I, or everybody listening, okay, tomorrow at 12 o'clock, I want everybody to feel grateful for 30 seconds, right? And then I bring you back to the lab the next day. I say, okay, let's see how you feel. I don't really even know if you did that, right? right? It's very hard to have a test like that. But if I tell you to keep a gratitude journal, I can collect it and I can look at it and I can see that you did it. And it's sort of a little more scientific. And the studies are very, very longitudinal. And they're very, very powerful. I myself, I don't gratitude journal, despite the fact that that is supposed to be like the pinnacle. And I happen to be a writer, but it it doesn't work for me for some reason, right? So I do me, Mm -hmm. I do something else or a few other things, but I feel like that really has to be the thing. And particularly if you know, I hate writing. Okay, don't start out with writing, right? So you do you. There are so many different things you can do and so many different ways you can find to, you know, foster your gratitude habit, mix it up, find what works for you. And then when it stops working, take a break. Even say, by the way, it's maybe perfect to your point. By gratitude journaling, they used to say do it every day. Now they actually recommend three or four times a day. Really? Okay. Now keep in mind all, yeah. But keep in mind all of these studies, right, are, are based upon, he's like, 75% of people reported whatever. So there's still 25% of people right, that, that it's still working every day, right? So it doesn't, you know, just because we recommend something, that doesn't mean that it's for everybody. There's always going to be not only outliers, it could be a 20, 30% of mm-hmm. the people that it works well for, and you know yourself. But they do see like this fatiguing coming from journaling all the time for many, many, many people. And then, then you sort of have the opposite, right? Where it's like, now I thought, oh, I got to do that gratitude journal. Like, that's not where you want to come from. It's like the famous mind shift. You shift from... I have to do this to I get to do this, right? If you're really right. saying that and you really feel that, that's great. If it's like a chore, you know, sometimes you got to push through. It's a bad day, you know, but so I definitely think that it happens to get back to your question. I, I meandered a lot, but things get old. We have to switch them up. Um, I'm also finding that doing group stuff works really, really well. Sometimes just having an ally where you're trading something. There's some people who every morning they trade one gratitude text with a, a friend, right? Um, or getting together in groups and doing stuff because, you know, the, the social dynamic of it sort of shakes the funk off of it. There's some accountability that goes along with it. 
those things can tend to last longer if everybody is sort of involved and they still remain their, they retain their freshness because it's not just you doing something, you're getting input, you're getting other people, new ideas. I had not thought about, you know, doing something in a group. And I think the positives, you just named several of them, but also at a time when we're just not seeing as many people as we normally would be, that would be a great thing to start up. Yeah. So it's not a set it and forget it. It's a constant kind of reinventing, if you will, in terms of a practice. Um, Jeff, I think you brought up on the prep call, you asked if it was possible to fake it till you make it. Yeah, I'll let you elaborate on that. Well, yeah, that was the question that came to mind as Dave was talking about uh, changing it up, trying different things that maybe it gets stale. I I was uh, relating a story back, uh, gosh, from 1970. That goes way back. (laughs) Our family had just moved from a small town in Indiana to uh, a little bit larger town. And there were four of us kids. And we complained all the time about the move. We couldn't find anything good to say about anything. And my mom probably got a little frustrated and a little tired. Not probably, she definitely did. But she instituted this rule that for every negative thing that we said, we had to say two positives. Now, it wasn't quite gratitude, right? But you had to put a positive spin on it. And I think over time, it helped all of us accept where we were now. So Dave, buried in there is the question of, is this a case of, can you fake it till you make it? Can just doing the practice change your mindset? Yeah. I'd say before I answer the question, um, it's probably the fourth or fifth story I've heard about your mother. Um, and she's uh, <laughs> an amazing, uh, amazing person. I know there's a book I have to get my hands on it. And and I, by the way, I would I would sort of disagree that it's, when you said it's not really gratitude, I would say it really is gratitude because gratitude on a certain yeah, level yeah. is taking, especially when there's bad things and finding the thing, right? Finding the thing that you're getting out of it that is good and, and, and finding that and appreciating it. And there where she's making you say it, you're actually expressing it. So I think that that really is hitting gratitude on the head, even though it's, it's a little bit of a, you know, end run around it. But I think I mentioned this, fake it till you make it is one of my least favorite business or life sayings only because I think it could be misconstrued. And I did I couldn't find it. I had it. I think it's Dr. Paul White who has a, an interesting phrase. It's very similar to fake it till you make it, till you make it but doesn't have the negative connotation of the fake it part. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that, yes, you can gain out of pushing through, you know, like just doing it. Like you have to get comfortable with it. You have to uh, push through it. We, we talk about in the five languages of appreciation in the workplace in the workshops, we talk about the weirdness factor, which is sort of similar. Like, you, you know, you don't, you're not feeling it or you're afraid that the other person is going to feel that you're not being authentic because, you know, Dave just told us everyone's got to go and give appreciation. So now we're doing it, you know, and they're like, oh, great. That's really, really authentic. So we, we sort of try to get ahead of that. I just said, like, show some grace and, and just, you know, give people a, a chance and, and just let it go a little bit. And I think it's similar here. Like, yes, I do think that it's, for many of us, many people have a, a, like an interesting preset orientation to gratitude or they're just very positive people. They're not going to feel weird doing it or they're not maybe won't even be faking it. But, but for a, a lot of us to do something that's that's set and active and then doing that is going to feel weird. I do feel that you can grow from it if you if you 
giving it an effort. I hate would hate to call it fake it, right? You mentioned the the three the three for Thursday that I do, where I'm just putting three categories out and tell me something positive in those three, you know, some gratitude in those three categories. So that's sort of forcing people like to into an area that maybe they didn't think about. Let's say it was a rainy day and tell me something positive about rain. That's all easy to do, but you didn't fake it, right? Just because you, yeah. you, you did it because someone else told you, right? You just you maybe may not have that awesome feeling when you do it, but the practice I think really is important and it gets you there. And I think it's also important to think about what's the goal of the practice. I think it's it's twofold of, of creating a gratitude habit. I think on a certain level, one is is for the moment, right? In that moment, hopefully you're gonna feel some gratitude, you're gonna feel better. But it is very much about training yourself to become more grateful. It's I always say that there's two types of gratitude. There's the the, the planned gratitude, like doing your habit or whatever else it is. And then there's spontaneous gratitude where you just experience something that you feel gratitude for and you express it. And the habit feeds that, right? The habit gets us going, gets us oriented to that way of looking at things. And I usually make the analogy, I hope I didn't do this on the first one, but nobody remembers the first podcast. Um, you know, that, that, you know, when you get a new car, right? And all of a sudden you start realizing that I make it like I get new cars all the time, but you know, it, it's, it, it's anything new that you have and you start realizing, Oh, a lot of people have that jacket or, or have that yeah. car. I never noticed that before. Right. I think it's called the Vanheim Manhoff theory or something like that. So why is that happening? You know, people like to think that they're just, you know, influencers or trendsetters, but really they're not. It's just that the reason we talk about it in the world of a car is because it's such a big purchase. Most people spend time thinking about it, researching it. It's a big financial decision. It becomes top of mind. Right. So therefore, now you're sort of subconsciously looking for it and you're seeing it. And we want to do the same thing with gratitude. When we're doing these things all the time, habits, exercises, being around with other people who are gratitude oriented. So that becomes top of mind. Then we start seeing things in the world where we say, hey, you know, that's that's amazing. I don't express my gratitude. Right. So that's the twofold aspect of these habits. One is in the moment. But the second is the training. Right. The training. You go to the gym. In the moment, sometimes it's the hardest part, right? I, I hate running and I run. I mean, sometimes I like it, but mostly I hate it. But I always tell my wife, but I love how I feel after, right? I love how the, you know, my body feels. I, I love being able to eat more than I usually do. I love uh, feeling like I did something good for myself, right? So in the moment, I don't always love it. But, you know, if we keep our eye on the prize, so to speak, that we're, we're building, we're trying to make ourselves better. You know, we're going to gym to become buff, gratitude people and uh so therefore yeah sometimes we have to push through sometimes we have to do it when we we have to fake it till we make it sometimes i gotta find that quote <laughs> I, I wanted to megan you mentioned something earlier about like um particularly people in coding or the hard sciences yeah that they, they view this as very fluffy and or even if they see the value in it like but like you said they, where are the studies mm -hmm. and they really are there i mean i do this a lot in what I'm doing, especially in a, a larger corporate setting where sometimes the CFO or the controller is sitting in the back of the room who, who actually wrote the check, um, you know, I usually will start out with very, the hardcore, you know, there's studies all over. There's the scientific studies, there's the psychological studies. There are the, the business studies and they are out there in, you know, not the, the gratitude dude on gratitude. They're in Harvard business 
review Harvard Business mm -hmm. Journals. They're in Harvard Medical Journals and high level Stanford, top business schools, right? They're out there. I mean, and if you want to talk a drop about the science, the science is, is really fairly well proven between, you know, the MFRIs where they could do sort of uh, MRIs of the brain mm -hmm. and seeing how the brain changes when people are experiencing gratitude, you know, and, and getting sort of activity in the prefrontal cortex, which is going to be governing your, you know, your relationships and, and your good feelings, pushing out doubt and guilt and all those other things. Those studies are out there. I mean, I could probably scare up a few of them. And then also just the neurotransmitters, right? That we, you know, we're getting dopamine going up, oxytocin, serotonin, all the good stuff that we want going that, that sort of pushes out the uh, the negativity. And then one more point here, yeah. back to Jeff's story is, is your mom also was onto something when she made you double up. She didn't say every time you say something negative, you got to say something positive. She said, you got to say two things positive, right? And, and, and I love it for two reasons. Number one, because as a kid, you're probably like, you know, I'm not even going to say it because I don't want to have to find the two yeah, things. Yeah. <laughs> but that should stop you from being negative or at least expressing it. But also, but, you know, there, there's real insight there because it really is, we have this negativity bias, right? Say it's like five to one, right? As a leader, I know a lot of people are listening here or maybe owners of companies or leaders of teams, right? That they say that it's five to one. You've got to give somebody five positive things to even just counterbalance the negative thing that either they have or that you might have created or said, right? So we really have to push harder to do more on the positive side, whether that's gratitude, whether that's a compliment or whatever else it is to counteract all of that negative. I think that's an important point, Dave, and some of the science that you talked about, because in a way, what you're talking about is a is reducing stress, right? You're getting your brain into a better space. And for our listeners out there who are in IT-related fields, a couple of surveys that I've read recently say that IT workers have experienced a larger increase of stress than some healthcare workers have during the pandemic. And we need to practice that self-care to get ourselves back in alignment. So I love how you tied that in together. And uh, uh, sorry to jump in on, on that, Megan, but I just think that that uh, we've got a lot of people out there who may not recognize the stress that they're under. And these habits can help in a very positive way. Yeah, I, I was just going to throw in a personal experience that ties all of the points that you are making in terms of going back to the fake it till you make it. And I have to say, Jeff, in 1970, your mom was way, way ahead of her time. Yeah, she was tremendous. <laughs> and also, you know, with the negativity bias, personally, I am fairly open to woo-woo concepts and still had a lot of difficulty with the idea of gratitude. To the point where I, I kept hearing this practice of just one write down one thing a day, put it in a jar. I thought, that well, that's silly. One thing a day is just not enough. That will do nothing for me. <laughs> so I put it off and I put it off for years. I mean, I heard this for years. And finally, I got to a point where one thing a day was going to be a stretch. You know, it was just that kind of a time. So we put, my husband agreed to do it. We put the jar up in the kitchen and we started one thing a day. It was amazing. It did not take very long in terms of that rewiring and that refocused kind of energy. 
Because what happened was I started looking for the thing that was going to be the one thing. You know, there were, there were 10 things all day, but which one was the best one that was going in the jar? The jar thing is so great. I mean, we don't do it currently, but we have done it in in stages. Again, we like to mix things up, but I do love them going back and Mm -hmm. you start pulling things out of the jar and reading them. You say, you know, I forgot about that. Yes. I wanted to share a quick quote. I'm not sure it's his quote himself. It just came into me today. I don't know if you guys know Steve Ferran. Steve Ferran is Ferran, F-O-R-A-N. He's, they call him the, the grateful CEO. He does a lot of studies and work in the business world. Um, he's working with us on our, this new Gratitude Rising project. And he sent me these, I asked him for a bunch of quotes, and he gave me this quote that I th- think fits right exactly what we were both saying, which is, don't let the simplicity of gratitude let you underestimate its power, mm. you know? And I think that happens a lot. And he told me, he sent me, how are these? I said, these are great. And I love that one because I see that all the time because people say, well, this guy's going to stand up here and give us a workshop for three hours about something that I know, even the people who know it and, and even see the value, like they, they think it's so simple. Um, and then I would say in practice, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. So there's not so much but to get into the habits and work them and get to the thing, okay, that might be a little harder. But uh, I, I feel like all of this tying together through these stories of, of your mother and your story, Megan, at home is it's incredible. It's great. Well, you actually just mentioned Gratitude Rising, and we you alluded to it earlier. We both did in terms of what you've got coming up. So can you tell us a little bit more about what that is and when it's happening? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <With> <laughs> <my> arm. <laughs> uh, so Gratitude Rising is, I, I sort of alluded to it earlier, it's our new virtual platform as a fundraiser that we're launching within the next week or so it should be. Um, and the idea is, is, yes, for those of you who are familiar with a, a, a virtual fundraiser as a participant or maybe as a, a nonprofit, uh, it's the same type of thing. You know, you're getting software, you're getting your web pages and all this other stuff, and we're sort of facilitating you running this virtual event but there's a whole other aspect to it, which is that the participants, when they sign up, not only are they doing fundraising, but they're getting something that's much more meaningful than a shirt. Yeah, they're getting a shirt too, but something that's meaningful and lasting, which is a sort of a whole gratitude curriculum. So when they sign up, they're running or walking to support their, raising money for their organization. They're getting this whole gratitude curriculum, which will put together a sort of a faculty of some of the countries, North America's, I should say, um, leading authors, speakers, workshoppers, uh, thought leaders in gratitude. And we're going to be through many, many different ways. For example, just these sort of simple, easy daily quotes, but also live webinars, live seminars. We have a 30 day program that people want to join it. All of that is included. And the idea is we're going to show gratitude. We're going to grow gratitude. We're going to show gratitude to the organizations that we love and that are helping us get through this. And then we're going to grow our gratitude together through building this little community and through this gratitude curriculum. So that's probably about a week or so away from, from launch. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah, we'll definitely have to link to that in the show notes. And then you've got, I saw you post about gratitude all day. That's launching September 1st, right? Yes. So. Gratitude All Day is um, is essentially a 24-hour live stream of gratitude. It came out of an idea that I heard a radio station that had done an insomnia hotline during the height of the first round of COVID. 
They opened up this hotline. Anyone could call in and say, hey, I'm Dave from New York. I cannot sleep. I'm worried about my health or my job or my family or the economy or politics, whatever was keeping that person up. And they just had an open line. People would, would do that. Some of the people they would call back. Uh, they even brought on some, like, I guess, fairly well-known musician who came on and sang a lullaby for somebody or something like that. And I thought it was interesting and important. And I felt like, can we do something like that that's positive? Not calling in to tell me what you're worrying mm -hmm. about. Calling in to tell me what you're grateful for. So I said, okay, I don't want to do this on a phone line, a recorded phone line. Let's try and do a gratitude stream. 24 hours, you can call in. You can jump into the Zoom anytime and just say, hey, my name is Jeff. I'm from Indianapolis, and I'm so grateful for my creek or whatever else it is. <laughs> so that, that was the idea for gratitude all day. I'm an idea guy, and if I don't actually plot it, then I'll never do it. I'll just come up with a new idea. And they'll all be great. I, we have this joke on my family, it's on my wife. Oh, million dollar idea, number two of the day. So I launched it, and now I said, okay, I need helpers. I need other gratitude-oriented people. And now, so thankful that we have essentially all parts of the world, we have people who are going to be hosting an hour or two of that stream. So we have people from Hong Kong, we have Australia, Wales, Scotland. I spoke to Singapore this morning, uh, really sort of building this very global community of gratitude. And the idea is September 1 to September 2, 1 p.m. Eastern to 1 p.m. Eastern, anyone and everyone could come on to the stream and just take a minute and shout out their gratitude. And then maybe more importantly for everybody who, who's listening and maybe they're not going to get to do that, if you start putting your, your gratitude out there now, anywhere on social using the hashtag gratitude all day, spelled as it sounds, gratitude all day, we're also going to be going through that, aggregating them, reading them out during the stream, 24 hours, a long period of time, you know, we got to fill that space. But we want to get as much participation as we can, even if people can't jump on. And then it will also be, you can just come in and jump in and check out the live stream. Uh, we have all these very, very interesting people. We tried on purpose to make it like, you know, there are a, a handful of people who are in the gratitude space, like I would say that I am. It's something that I do, you know, pseudo-professionally. We have a bunch of people like that who are sharing wisdom and everything like that, but we have... Probably more people who are, you know, not professionally, like guys like you guys, right? Where gratitude is so important to you, but you have your regular job and that's a part of your life and a part of your job. Those people hosting as well. We have tons of giveaways, gratitude books and workshops and games and art and all this other things. Um, we have some Chester Elton who's sold uh, over 1.5 million books. He's got three or four New York Times bestsellers. Wow. Uh, Leading with Gratitude is one of his more related ones, but he's, he's a tremendous coach. We have Kevin Monroe. We have all these amazing people and really uh, excited about that. So again, September 1, September 2, 1 p.m. Eastern to 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm hoping that this URL comes through, uh, but you could go to gratitudealldaygratiturising.org. Gratitudealldaygratiturising.org or just use that hashtag, gratitudealldaygratiturising.org. Uh, and it was also, if you follow that on LinkedIn, you'll see all the updates and everything like that. And it's really exciting for me uh, on many levels. One, to just do it, but two, to I've been able to speak to these people all over the world um, at crazy times for some of them, really. And you were talking about, Megan, like the idea, 
never thought about doing it in groups. Like this wasn't the point of the group, but it became it like talking to people and just finding out what are they doing in COVID? What are they, what are they experiencing? What does their gratitude mean to them and how they're handling it? And it's amazing to build this sub community and hopefully going to blow that out. And I will also send you guys some personal stuff so you can get your people involved as well. Yes, please do. And, and we will link to both of those in the show notes for sure. Um, I would say besides obviously participating, using the hashtag gratitude all day, and also visiting um, the websites for both of those initiatives, what do you think is, I'm going to narrow it down. For someone who has not started or even ever thought about doing a gratitude practice, where would you tell them to start? Where would you say begin here? So I would start with what we already mentioned, which is you do you. Think about yourself. Mm-hmm. Think about the type of person that you are. Are you comfortable with calling a friend every day and, and expressing your gratitude? Is that weird for you? So don't do that. Okay? <laughs> if you're interested in journaling, you know that might be a great place. But I do think like what you were saying, Megan, is really the simple thing. They say three simple things, but I even like the one the one thing, like just write down one thing that you're grateful for um, and it'll start to build. And, and like what Megan was saying, like you'll start to look for those mm-hmm. things. I mean, what's going to hit the top of the list? So now you realize that you didn't have one thing. You had so many. Now you're just looking for the best one. I really do like that. Um, I would say one thing, and I probably mentioned this in the first time around because it hasn't changed for me handwritten letters, if you could do that. It's hard probably to do that for many people every day. But if you could say Wednesdays are my letter day because I know I have a slow day Mm -hmm. and I get to eat lunch. So I'm going to write one letter. I've seen so much, the impact that it has. I will tell you that I have had people come to me and say that their mother told them that this was the highlight of their whole year, receiving a letter in the mail from their adult child. You know, So that type of thing Mm -hmm. is tremendous. I would also say that you set a time mm-hmm. and set a time that makes sense. Don't say 1130 because, you know, 1130 can be different every day for, for you. Say right before lunch or right after, you know, that this idea of habit stacking where you take an existing habit, right? And you say, I go to the gym and I'm at the gym at 6 a.m. every morning. And usually I'm outside for five minutes waiting for them to open the door. Okay, that's perfect time. So I would say those things. Fix a time. Do something that makes sense for you and prep yourself. Like make sure, you know, I use this analogy in some of my workshops. Like if you're the type of person that lives near the mountains and every day you go out and you walk up there to get some serenity and you decide, you know what, when I want to hit the top before I turn around, that's a perfect time for me to do a gratitude habit. And your gratitude habit is texting a friend and you don't have service up on top of the hill. That's not a good gratitude habit, right? If you're in the car before the gym and you don't have a pen in the car, so writing a note or a letter is not a good thing. So set yourself up for success. Don't give yourself excuses. And then I would say, finally, set a a fail safe, you know, whether it's on your phone or something next to your toothbrush. So at the end of the day, you say, did I? Okay. Hopefully you realize you did, but you might forget. And then don't beat yourself up. Just do it now. And then... I guess, bring full circle, switch it up. My gosh, all great suggestions, all great points. I am, I am so excited and I'm, I can't imagine how you must feel after all of your hard work. I'm just so excited for your initiatives that are coming up, coming to fruition. It just sounds like such an amazing amount of energy, like this positive energy just kind of 
this virility of positive energy around the world. So I can't wait to participate and see that unfold on LinkedIn. But thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your work with us again. It's really my pleasure. I could do this for hours. Oh, I could too. <laughs> I could too. You are maybe 24. <laughs> well, you're about I'm to find school. out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To our listeners, if you have a question or want to learn more, go to intervision.com for the show notes, links, and contact information. As always, we are thrilled you're here. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Status Go podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or get more information at intervision.com. If you'd like to contribute to the conversation, find Intervision on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Thank you for listening. Until next time.